Welcome back to the Teguk Warriors podcast. Everybody, it's two months until the World Cup kicks off in Qatar. We have a really important show to talk about. We have two more friendlies, but first I got to introduce my guests. My first guest, he has his white coat on. He is now a fully fledged med student. Jason, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the great intro, Mike. Um, it's it's been a while since uh, I've been on the show, and um, I've honestly missed talking to uh, to the guys about uh, Korean football. And you know, today I'm with uh, three really, really great and uh, very knowledgeable uh, gentlemen. So I'm excited to to see where the night takes us. All right, this is probably you know one of the best moments on the podcast for Paul Jung. How are you feeling, man? Uh, we all know exactly why I'm happy, and uh, this is probably the most excited I've been uh, for you know just the September call up. But uh, really looking forward to what we got to talk about, and uh, let's get to it. All right, and last but not least, um, you know, Gordon said last month like he needs to appear on the podcast more often, so he's back. How you doing, man? Good man. Thanks for having me again. Nice to see Jason. Nice to see Paul. Uh, Definitely excited. Got a lot to talk about, um, but most like, but most thing I'm excited excited about is how Paul is going to talk about his favorite player. You know, that's that's what I'm really on here for. I want to see his face. I want to see. It. I want to hear everything. So let's let's do it. I think we should just get into it. Okay, we're going to talk about the squad. We're going to announce it, um, and you know, Paul gets the great great honor of introducing our midfield. Um, I played goalkeeper as a kid, so I'm going to announce the goalkeepers. Uh, we've got Kim Sung-gyu from Al-Shabaab, Song Bom-gun from Jeonbuk, and Jo Hyun-woo from Ulsan Hyundai. Um, Jason, can you give us our defenders? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so starting with our center backs, we have Kwon Kyung-won, uh, Kim Min-jae, uh, Kim Young-won, and Cho Yu-min. Uh, on the right side for our right backs, we have Kim Moon-hwan, um, Yoon Jong-gyu, and Kim Tae-hwan. And then finally, on the left, it's our uh, familiar duo. We have Kim Jin-soo and Hong Chol. Okay, Paul, just take it away. Tell us about I the I will here. Uh, I'll start off with the two guys that are probably the most maligned here. We have Kwon Chang-un and Na sang everyone's favorite player. Hyuk sung uh, Son Jun-ho is uh, called up again. He's healthy, so be excited to see him. Uh, Sunny, Lee Jae-sung, both Chung Woo-youngs, Hwang In-bom, Hwang Yi-chan, our newest rookie here, Yang Yeon Jun, and of course, my man, Yi Gang In. <laughs> All right, round us out, Gordon, with uh, the out and out strikers. Yeah, no, really, no surprises here. Um, everyone should be um, kind of aware already. You know, they're pretty common within the last year. We got Cho Gi Sung playing for Chungbuk, so that's exciting. Um, he had the last, he had the first game back for Chungbuk last week. Played pretty well. Um, then, of course, we have Hangi Jo. Uh, playing for Olympiacos now with Hangenbaum and getting some Europa action. So, a lot to talk about. All right, boys. I feel like the one thing we sort of are all worried about in the group chat all the time is our defense. So, let's sort of build up from the back. Let's talk about the goalkeepers and the defense first. Um, overall, like, we're not super surprised about the goalkeepers, right? No, I thought that the uh, the three that are picked are the three that are probably most deserving to be there. Uh, I think one thing to note is that for the last three or four um, A-match periods, um, we actually rolled with four goalkeepers. And I think Kim, Kim Dong-jun of Jeju 
um, was often the fourth man. And according to Bentu, at least, it's it helped a lot with um, the training and, and the drills that the goalkeepers uh, were doing to have them in pairs. Uh, but now I think as we come closer to uh, Qatar 22, um, like Mike, you said, we only have two months left until the World Cup, which is crazy, I think. Um, now we're finally starting to see Bentu um, trim down the roster. And I think these three goalkeepers are the ones we'll see in Qatar. And uh, personally, um, I have no problem with them. Yeah, I mean, overall, like, I'm, I, I love watching goalkeepers. I really hope that, you know, Korea has good goalkeepers. And I think overall, like, seeing Song Bong-gun cement himself now in Bento's plans for the World Cup is really cool. I saw this a couple weeks ago, but basically there was a stat from the K-League that he was the best goalkeeper in August in the sense that, like, his expected goals rating was higher than the amount of goals that he conceded. So that means he, he made a lot of saves, he did really well, and overall he's just been having a good season. I think it's well-deserved for him. I agree. I agree that um, Sung Bong-gum is a, is a very, very solid player, and he's young enough that we can kind of prepare him for 2026 and beyond. Uh, my problem, it's it might be nitpicky, but I think that in the big games, he's always good for like one big mistake that could kind of sway the momentum of the game. And, um, you know, we saw it in 2018 during the Asian Games and, you know, during the, the Asian Champions League, I'm sure, um, if if our fans were watching, um, you know, there were moments of, of scare because of Sung Bong Gun. Um, but as long as he minimizes those things and, you know, maybe improves his distribution, um, he's he's definitely the, the next in line after Kim Sung-gyu and Cho Yonu. But I think that he's, you know, heading to Qatar just to, to gain that experience and, you know, kind of to... Uh, prep him as the the heir, eventual heir to Kim Sung Kyu and Cho Yonu. Yeah, it'll be interesting because obviously the aforementioned uh, uh, Kim Sung Kyu and Cho Yonu are are older. Uh, so by the next World Cup, I'm assuming there's going to be a changing of the guard there. Um, I know Mike, you were pretty team Kim Dong Jun for a while there, right from Jeju. So um, it's it's. I kind of wanted to see more of him, to be honest, because I've seen a lot of Sombongun. And like Jason is saying, I'm not a fan of his kind of like indecisiveness in those big games where he's like, you can almost see the panic on his face when the ball is coming. It's like, he doesn't, he's like, do I go? Do I not? Do I do? And he kind of has that look on his face of uncertainty. Um, but, you know, maybe this World Cup will give him some confidence uh, moving forward. And uh, if that's the case and, and he's the guy for the future, then I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely was, you know, hyped to see that Kim Dong-jun was getting picked. But overall, I feel like just form-wise, Song Bun-gun probably, like, deserves the chance to be number three. Overall, one thing we have to say is, though, is, like, Kim sung gyu is probably going to start. Um, he transferred to the Saudi Pro League, and he's played four matches so far with his new team. He hasn't conceded a goal yet. So, obviously, the guy's playing well. He's He's... Once again, a starter, like he lost his job in Japan. He decided to transfer because of that. And now, you know, he's back to starting, back on form. So overall, that's a really good sign for him. All right, yeah, I think... one, go one goalkeeper had to go so that you guys can come into to the squad. I think. <laughs> oh, oh, that's actually, a, that's a good point. That's a really good point. I like that. No, I'm just kidding. It's just crazy that that's what, you know, forced Bento to pick Igagin. I think we're, we're going to get into a discussion of why he did it. 
But I feel like for now, we got to talk about this defense. And I, I guess like my question is, do we think that our defense is going to be good enough in Qatar? Like the, the guys you see on this list, are they good enough to form a defense that's going to be, you know, um, solid enough to not be overrun by, you know, another team in, in Qatar? I think centrally, I think we're in good shape, but I, I, I almost feel like this every World Cup, but I feel like our fullback defense, like the us defending world-class wingers has always been an issue, always, like whether it's the backside or, you know, it's just like, ugh, it's most of the time it's been a disaster, let's be honest. Uh, I know Kim jin form is really good right now on the left side. The right side is a little questionable right now with what we have. I mean, Eon didn't make the roster this time, um, arm tattoos and all. Uh, <laughs> but we have Kim Munan back there who's more offensive than he is defensive. And Kim Taewon who's, I guess, more of the kind of physical back, if you want to say that, uh, back there. But I, I am worried about that right side, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I totally agree with, uh, with what PJ said. And, um, you know, centrally, we, I think we have um, one of the most exciting and upcoming central defenders. It's Kimin Jae there is just, we've never had really a guy with that much strength and speed and being able to play out from the back. Um, like our best like defender maybe before Kimin Jae was Hong Myung Bo. And he was very good, I believe, in the sweeper role that he played in the back three. But he's no Kim Min Jae, right? He's, he never played for Napoli. He never played um, at a top, top level consistently in the Champions League. And um, so I think if Kim Min Jae is healthy, um, which is which is an if, um, I think we'll be very, very set centrally. And I still think Kim Young Won is kind of a good veteran, uh, more conservative center back, also left-footed to to pair with um, Kim Min Jae. And you know, like PJ said. Kim Jinsu is in very, very good form now for Chumbuk, and he's actually missed the last two World Cups um, due to unfortunate injury. So I think this is extra motivation for him um, to play well. And then, you know, in terms of our um, fullbacks being weak defensively, I think the one good thing about having, well, there's a lot of good things uh, of having Bentu as a manager. I, I appreciate what he's done for, um, you know, the, the development of our national team. Um, but, you know, he's really focused on the overall team defense in that, you know, Sonny and Hichan and, you know, all our central midfielders, they're all expected to contribute defensively. Whereas with, you know, the, the domestic coaches that we've had before, um, you know, the Shin Taeyongs, um, the I don't even want to talk about Uli Stilike, but, you know, they're kind of less focused on that whole overall team defense. So I think as long as our team chemistry is there, as long as everyone is working hard defensively, and we're kind of seeing it, um, you know, with Sonny um, and Conte's system, I think that our flanks might be a little more protected than we think. Gordon, what's up, man? Essentially, I think the X factor, it will be Kim Young-won. Because we know Kim Min-jae is going to, is going to shut down maybe one, you know, for sure is going to shut down one striker or one of the, you know, Darwin Nunez. I, I think Kim Min-jae can shut, down, shut him down. Um, any of the Ghanaian strikers, he can shut him down. 
Maybe Portugal, he can shut down Bernardo, whoever plays up top for them. But it's going to be his partner who's going to have to cover other strikers, other dangers that the other teams have. So I think our defense is going to come down to how well is Kimmingo going to play, right? And then I know we're not talking about the midfielders, but also we're talking about defense. I think I think Chung Young Sr., his performance is going to be a huge factor as well because they're going to need cover. Um, and if he's not there to cut the attack off or pressure the midfield, um, no matter how good Kim and Jay is, they're just going to get that surface into the strikers and the forwards that the other teams have. So I think those are the two players that we need to focus on and uh, kind of hope that they, they, they come out and play uh, in the World Cup. So one thing I think I wanted to talk about a little bit, like in terms of the fullbacks, is like I think that one way that, you know, you can sort of, cover up for the defensive frailties of someone like Kim Jin-soo is like just having that sort of like tucked in midfielder role, sort of like what Arsenal does with Granite Xhaka, right? Sort of rotating with the um, the fullback and making sure that one guy can go forward and then one guy sort of rotates back into defense. I think that's important. But then also on the right side, like I actually think, you know, it's kind of okay that Eon has been phased out and he's sort of you know, not in our squad anymore. I think, for example, like a guy like Yoon Jong-gyu, actually, like I was watching some of his highlights and I was pleasantly impressed with, you know, how stuck in he gets, you know, how strong he is on, you know, holding off his wingers and forwards. I think he's going to be okay, you know. But honestly, like I'll say, like I've, I'm biased. I've liked Yoon Jong-gyu since the 2017, you know, U20 World Cup. I thought that guy's good. So I'm, I'm glad he's now in the senior national team. I think that's cool for him. I think Moonhwan probably is going to start at least one match. And that guy, honestly, like, that guy's a winger that plays fullback. That's all I'll say about Kim Moonhwan. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you there on Moonhwan. I actually saw uh, Kim Moonhwan play for LFC. Uh, I went to one, one of those games. And like you said, he gets put in more of an offensive role, it seems like, on that side. Uh, but the one question I did have, and this is actually for Jason, because there's always, like, a it seems like a pattern, at least in Korean football, where uh, growing up, uh, like the bad players play defense, right? Like the not so physically gifted players play defense. Did the Kim Min-jae thing come like, did he just blossom late or how did he get, because like physically, I feel like he could have been a forward. Like, I, you know, he's fast, he's strong, he's skilled, he's athletic. I'm like, how did he end up playing defense? To my knowledge, I think he started as a a striker, and mm-hmm. then he kind of struggled there. And then I think uh, I'm not 100 percent sure on this, but um, to my knowledge, in in university he made the the switch, or maybe his high school, but early on he made the switch to uh, central defense. And you know, I think he's always had the raw physical tools. You know, the speed and the strength. That is what we. It's the term is tadashiakup. You know, it's it's not what you see in Korea, and it's not what you see in Asia. And um, the move to Chumbuk really, really helped him because he was training against the top. The really that was when Chumbuk had Idongguk. Um, there's a foreign striker there that that ev- uh, that's um, that I can't think of. It might be Leonardo is his name or something. Yeah. Um, you know, mm-hmm. but going against these really, really good top strikers at that early point in his development uh, really catapulted him. And then, you know, we know he he made the switch to Beijing Guan, 
Um, the Chinese league is, it has its upsides and its downsides. And I think one of the upsides is you get to play against those really um, expensive um, European experienced um, strikers. And, you know, from then on, he made the move to Fenerbahce and he's at Napoli now. So um, to answer your question, PJ, yeah, he started off as a striker, I think. And then the coaches just said, hey, why don't, you know, you have the physical tools to to play central defense. Why don't you try it? And, you know, his his work ethic is is crazy, too, at least from from the videos I've seen and, you know, from the stuff I, I've heard from, you know, from what, whether it's coaches or training staff he's worked with. He's always trying to take that next level. And honestly, I think he he could end up being one, one of the best, if not the best um, Asian central defender when it's all said and done. I mean, he doesn't have like that much competition in that regard. There aren't that many like huge sure, name yeah. Asian central center backs, so that's a good sign. Um, but yeah, I, I I think like the sky's the limit for this guy. Overall, like you know, he's been very good against a very good Liverpool side in the in the Champions League already. He's already got a couple goals in Serie A play so far. He's just sort of like just he's seamlessly transitioned in Serie A and he's been doing great. So, you know, it's it's just it's awesome to have one of our starting center backs be in the biggest leagues in Europe. That's that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's crazy to see his rise and like you would think at some point he might slump or like like hit a, you know, hit a stump or something, but it's just been like continuous. Like every time he he bumps up a league or he upgrades his competition, like like his play goes with it, which is just crazy. And it's it's you don't you don't see a limit there, like you're saying. It's like where like EPL, like what what where where to next? It's it's, it's really crazy. Yeah, That's, now that you mentioned it, PJ, I was I was just gonna say I know that this is a mainly a KNT focused chat, but um, you know he still has that forty to forty five million release clause that is could be activated um next summer and you know we're seeing this summer the likes of um wesley fofana going for what 70 80 million and if mm-hmm. kimin jet is half of that price and you know we know he can play against you know teams like liverpool um you know he's going to face ajax in the champions league and then of course in syria he's going to you know face teams like juventus lazio roma inter milan etc etc if he continues to perform well that 40 to 45 million dollar price tag might actually be a steal again, um, which is crazy because you know the the eighteen million price tag this summer I thought was ridiculously low, and I, I was surprised that only uh, Rennes and Napoli and uh, at the very end Everton were in for him. And you know, again, you know, forty to forty five million for a top six Premier League team. You know, Tottenham, Liverpool, they both need central defenders. Um, you know, we'll see if he ends up moving next summer. Gordon, what's you, what do you what do you have for us? Yeah, we talked about this in the last podcast, Mike, but I think the key to Kiminje's success is his level of confidence, right? I think that's why he's able to go to any league and then play like he's been there for a couple of years already, you know. So like, like you know, Jason said, if he transitions over to EPL next year, like I have no doubt that he will continue to perform the way he is right now. So yeah, I think he's gonna be world class. Um, you can hear it here first, but I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be world-class. I'd like to make a prediction of like where he's going to go. Um, I honestly think that, um, Liverpool is going to be the one to make a move for him. 
I just think that like, you know, their their defense is kind of, you know, faltering really badly right now. Um Jurgen Klopp is probably really pissed that he he decided not to do anything about it, but I think, you know, yeah, if this season doesn't go very well for them, like, you know, they struggle to contend in the Premier League or have an early exit from the Champions League or whatever, whatever, right? I think they're going to, you know, they're going to be in the market for a new center back. I think if I look at like the big six in EPL, they're the guys that seem to need a new center back the most. And he's going to be very reasonably priced for them and also somebody that they know about, that they've seen and that they they might want. So that's that's kind of my prediction. But, you know, that's far off in the horizon for now. But overall, I think, yeah, he's he's destined for, you know, the EPL for sure. Yeah, I think you guys kind of mentioned it, but if you combine, Mike, your point and Jason's point of how there hasn't been any good Asian defenders, really, uh, I think that's probably why more teams weren't confident to say, oh, like, let's get an Asian defender. I think that kind of stigma is there was like, I'm not sure if you can handle it kind of thing. Uh, but he's proven it at every level at this point. And if he's doing this in Champions League like he has been, it's it's I think it's a no-brainer by next summer that he's like at that point they're gonna be like okay he's proven now we got to take him yeah all right let's let's talk about a really really honestly like a solid midfield selection from bento like for the first time in a while like i feel like i looked at this midfield and i was like okay you know i like a lot of the choices that you've made there you know obviously we you know we talked about it in the beginning you know no one really likes seeing the fact that Quan Chang-Lu and Nasang are still getting selected, but if you look at the other guys, every single one of those guys there really deserves it. Like Yang Hyun-jun, absolutely, this was a, a really good choice to pick him for this team. He's still eligible for the U23 team, right? Huang Sun-Nung could have asked for him for his match, but Bento was like, no, I want this guy. Like he's he's so hot right now, scoring a lot of goals in the K-League. I want to have him on my team. It's the same thing with Yi Gang-in, right? Just a very well-deserved pick for somebody that's really on form, playing really well, and has everything to offer this team in terms of set-piece delivery, dribbling, um, just sort of like control of the match in midfield now. I think that, you know, everything's there for this midfield, I feel like. This is just a better midfield selection than we've seen in a while. Yeah, and I think the the thing that um, I was really excited about is Sun Juno got called up. And, you know, at the very least, you know, he's, he's good competition for Chung Young Sr., who I think a lot of us just expect to be at the base of the midfield three. Um, but if you look at what Sun Juno has done in his career, K-League MVP, um, mm-hmm. you know, he made that big money move to China. And then he actually got scouted by the likes of Southampton and, you know, other European teams. And I think there was just some... Um, um, you know, maybe some contract issues there. I know that's it's always, always hard to to move out of uh, the Chinese Super League, which is why I'm always devastated when I see uh, players, Korean players that I like move there. Um, but, you know, he could be um, a guy that seriously challenges Chong Young Sr.'s spot. And, you know, he, he's, he's great defensively, and he, he might even be better at building up from the back. And, um, you know, in terms of Yang Yun-jun that, uh, that Mike alluded to, and I know it's, it's a guy that PJ really, really likes as well, um, just to provide a little bit of context. Um, very, very young. It's his, it's his debut. I think it's his debut season this year. And he's been lights out for a Kangwon side. 
um, that's playing really, really beautiful counter-attacking football under Treyonsu. And I think the moment he caught, he really caught eyes for Korean fans was actually when he played against Tottenham uh, when they came over this summer. And, you know, he was, he even caught the eye of a lot of Tottenham fans. I know that on Twitter, everyone was asking, who's that right winger? Who's that guy that just dribbled past Davinson Sanchez and Ryan Sessegnon and Eric Dyer that tore through our defense? And, you know, he's he's technically so gifted, um, works incredibly hard, and it's pacey as well. So I think he's really a perfect Ben 2 winger. And then kind of looking um, into the future, he might even like develop into Sonny's air. And he, he, you know, he has that kind of ceiling um, that we don't really see with the likes of um, Na sang or Kwon chang You know, he, he really has that chance to play in Europe's top leagues. And I'm excited to see um, him play with the Canty if he gets minutes. Yeah, Paul, what were you going to say? I was just gonna say, just uh, you know, that I didn't know who Yang Yeonjun was, to be honest with you, until that exhibition match that we're talking about with Tottenham, and he like completely just like I, once he started like doing what he was doing, I was like, who, who is this kid? Like I, it, like it really caught me off guard because um, and as, J- as Jason was saying that he's a really technical guy, <clears throat> but at that age to have the balls to even try what he did, I think say, says a lot about like his character his personality like his fearlessness like that kind of stuff is stuff like i really respect like he is not scared to fail and the fact that he's confident enough in his ability to take on world-class players at that age we got you don't see that in korean players either like a lot of them are timid a lot of them you know kind of back pass it's like hey i don't want to make a mistake young and jun's like i i don't care if i make a mistake i'm just gonna try and dribble through the whole team and you know it's obviously he needs a little bit more refining in his development, um, you know, but that the, the kind of attitude and the fearlessness that you were talking about, PJ, is why I think a lot of us have high hopes for him. We're talking about Ben Davis, though. Ben Sanchez. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. No, the kid's got talent. The kid's got talent for sure. I'll allow it, Gordon. The kid's got a talent. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to make the, you know, final 26 uh, man squad for this World Cup, though. Uh, and I, I wouldn't be upset. I mean, yeah, did he really, like, re- did, has he proven himself? I don't know. I don't know if I can say, yeah, you know, I'm just looking at his stats. I don't, I don't watch his games, but it's his debut, debut season with eight goals and four assists. Like, I think if I had to choose, I would I would still choose Kwon chung over Yao for sure. So, yeah. Kids got talent, though, for sure. I mean, the way I would kind of, like, look at it is um, he's probably here because Amwon Sang is injured. Uh, they're, you know, pretty similar players on the right wing. Obviously, both highly talented guys, highly technical guys, really fast. I think overall, obviously, Amwon Sang has got a little bit more experience under Bento. But at the end of the day, though, like, I think... Bento had to pick this guy just because, like, in August, you know, he was on fire. Like, he had, I think it was, like, four goals and assists. So, that's a ridiculous month. And if you're trying to pick a guy that's, like, really on form for your national team, that's a really good idea overall. So, yeah, it, it makes sense. But I think, yeah, probably Amwon Sang is, is the guy that's, you know, going to take his spot eventually for the World Cup. 
And then I guess just a, a point to add before we spend the next uh, five hours talking about Yigangin. Um, I think that, um, you know, I know that we, I know PJ introduced them as, uh, you know, guys that a lot of the fans dislike and, and that's Kwon Chang-un and Na Sang-ho. Um, you know, firstly, to touch a little bit upon Kwon Chang-un, I think he still fully deserves to be there. Um, his creativity, his ability to play multiple positions. You know, this is a guy that can play the number yeah. 10 position. He can fill in in central midfield if needed. And I think he's best cu- cutting in um, to the left from the right. And, you know, in during the, I think it was the January friendlies where we played Iceland and Moldova. I know that they're weaker opposition, but he looked electric for us. And I still think the the creativity and the work rate uh, I think he f- and the experience, you know, he's he's played in France and he's played in Germany. I, I'm totally fine with him being on the roster. And I think, you know, obviously he's out of form, but, you know, playing for Kim Chun is also a bit tough right now. And, you know, they just lost Cho Gyu-sung as well. So it's getting it's not going to get um, easier. Na Sung-ho, he's a tough one, right? I think he's just a he's a solid, maybe average K-League winger that... <laughs> Is a, <laughs> that was slightly a little above. bit of a jump there? <laughs> I think he had two goals this year, bro. Dude, just Jason, just let it out, you know. No, it's don't well, just he, take your take think, your filter away. Take your doctor filter away. We don't we don't want that. Either. <laughs> give me the give me the true diagnosis, okay? Everyone's everyone can take it. I don't. I think there's a lot of wingers that I would take over him. But I also understand why Bentu chose him because he's out of this list. He's a very safe option. You know what you're going to get from him. Um, he works very hard. Um, he's actually pretty good. I think I was uh, Steve Hahn mentioned this. And, you know, in, in those half spaces where where the wingers drop off to help build up, Nasan was actually quite good at that. It's just that he lacks the explosiveness. He lacks the flair. He lacks the game-changing ability that that we want to see, and um, you know the question is, you know, would you take Lee Sung-woo over Na Sang-woo? Would you take Lee Dong Jun? I know that he's injured. Would you take him over Na Sang-woo? And both players, I think, honestly, for my personal enjoyment, I would say yes. Um, but I just want to say that we'll let Ben Do have that one, just because he did have the guts to call up Lee Kang In and Yang Hyun Jun. So I just want to say, like, overall, just a classic line, like, <laughs> saying, like, Jason's saying, solid, maybe average winger. <laughs> like, just the pause <laughs> there. That was great. But I feel like, basically, Jason, what you're saying is, like, Nasango is, like, you're, you know, at a restaurant. You've never been there. And, you know, you're just like, okay, just just give me the the normal, the most normal thing that I can see. Like, give me a pepperoni pizza. say you're pizza. at, like, an American bistro place, and you're just like, okay, I'll just have a cheeseburger. That's yeah, what I'm going to yeah. get. Exactly. Yeah. I think Nasano is the type of player that people will coin as the coach's player. Oh. Um, in like terms that. of like, he does everything that the coach wants him to do. Is it spectacular or like, man, that, that guy is really good to a regular common fan? Like, no. But does he fit into Bento's plans and tactics and what have, what Bento wants him to exactly do? I think he does. I don't know what it is, um, but I think a lot of coaches and a lot of experts, they have no issues with Nassau. 
like doesn't the uh, FC Seoul uh, manager like put the captain's armband on him like once yeah, in a I while? Think so. yes, he yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think he might just be one of those players that like coaches really like, and I, I we've had those, you know. Oh, like I think every national team probably has one of those. Like why Chai is that guy? Yeah, Chang and I was just like, gonna say that. We, we were like, why is that guy on the national team? But like. Now we look back hindsight, like oh, like he kind of fit into the team a little bit, you know. So maybe in another a year or two, we'd be like, oh damn, that's how we kind of missed that time. <laughs> maybe. I could take uh, it as long as long as Namte is not included in that. Like <laughs> usually they came in pairs, and I it was a hard to that was a hard pill a hard pill to swallow when it was Namte and Nasamo taking two spots. But I guess if it's one, I could take it. Okay, I think uh, Jason Jason alluded to this a couple of minutes ago. Um, yeah, let's uh, you know, let's just uh, let's give Paul a little bit of time to talk about Ikang and like how happy are you? How do you feel right now? Like, what do you think the reason for this move is? Why yeah, is he like, back? Is my now of all time because it's been great. Yeah, Paul, Paul is crying right now. I think I, I'm, <laughs> I'm near tears. I couldn't. I honestly thought he wasn't going to get picked. I really thought that Bento was going to troll and be like, "Nah, not going to do it." Um, Honestly, I think it has a lot to do with just the kind of average to below average performances that the rest of the guys are putting out right now, whether it's Yi Dong-kyung or even Hwang Yin-bom's hurt. There's just a lot of just, you take away Yi Gang-in and Kim Min-jae and a lot of the guys abroad are struggling, like whether it's health or whether it's performance. So I feel like because of that, I think if they were all competing at a high level along with Igangin, I think Igangin honestly would have been left out. I really believe that. Um, uh, because, you know, obviously I watch most of his games when I can. And I do see an improvement, you know, defensively, his work rate and his like positioning. And he's not getting like yellow cards and red cards left and right. He's not like, you know, kicking. Sergio Ramos back in the leg or anything. He's not doing any of that stuff anymore, so which is good to see. Uh, but I don't think it's that much different than what we're used to seeing from him, if I'm being completely honest here. Uh, I think it's just that the, the, the formation that they're in, the role that he's in as more of a free roamer, I think he's more comfortable with that. I don't think his skills have changed or like his play style has changed per se as much, but... Uh, as far as getting picked, I, I really do believe it's because he's playing well and his people that would usually be, be in his spot aren't. So he's able to kind of jump a few people. I like that point you made about the fact that like his play style hasn't really been all that different, right? Um, two years ago when he was still at Valencia, right? In the first couple weeks of the season, he was also leading the league in assists and he had a really good start. But at that time, you know, he didn't get picked because, you know, just it wasn't really the right time for him. But yeah, it's just now is the right time because he's playing well and a lot of our other midfielders aren't necessarily like hitting the heights that they used to. So he had to be there for sure. I don't know. He got he got kind of yoked. Like I was watching his I was watching like his practice videos. I was like, damn, like his baby fat kind of went away. You know what I'm talking about? Um his cheeks are not – he has got a defined jaw now. Like, And if you see his muscles, like super cut up. And I don't think he – like, it's super hard for soccer players to get, like, faster within a year or two. Uh, but I think his ability to just make decisions quickly, I think that has really changed his game. Uh, 
Also, he's got biceps now, so for sure. <laughs> I think what's helped him is he's playing full games now. Like, have we ever seen him consistently play 90 minutes, 75 minutes even? The fact that just kind of shows that's like empirical evidence to bend to that he's improved his conditioning. He, he's worked hard to make sure that he can contribute for 90 minutes. And it's like Bentu, the thing is, Bentu likes flexibility, right? A player could start, a player could come off the bench. Um, you know, he could play multiple positions. Igangin was the opposite of flexible because he could really only play one very, very um, defined role that's actually being phased out of football right now, I think, the number 10 role. And also his fitness limited was uh, limited him to coming off the bench for short 20 to 30 minute spurts. So, you know, in terms of Bentu's perspective, it's like almost like, I don't want to say wasting, but yeah, you are wasting a spot on the roster that could go to a much more flexible player. And the question was, is his talent enough to overcome his limitations? But now that he's, you know, sort of shown Bentu that, hey, I can play 90 minutes. I can start for you. I can be that um, plan B to Lee Jae-sung, to Hwang Um, You know, I think that's helped him a lot. And, you know, like PJ said, guys like Amon Sang being in- injured, Lee Dong-kyung not even playing in Germany, Lee Dong-jun being injured as well. All these guys were, these were the guys that were called up um, ahead of Lee Gang-in. And I think he was very, very, it was like perfect timing, right? His form went up. And then his competitors, they either are not playing or their form is, you know, at the lowest point of their careers. And, you know, maybe there was a little bit of media pressure on Bentu to kind of satisfy the Korean fans. But I think ultimately, if he gets minutes, you know, if even if he gets 20 to 30 minutes between the two games, I think he has the talent um, to make a big impact. Yeah, and you know what, I... I... I did say his play style didn't change much, but what Gordon and Jason brought up is completely true as far as him being stronger. Uh, his conditioning has definitely improved. And because of those two things improving, you don't see him like lagging behind or grabbing, you know, opponents' jerseys from behind. He's like keeping up now at least. And when he's like kind of like engaged with, uh, you know, on defense, he's not having the foul. He can kind of like, you know, go chest to chest or go chest to back or whatever and still be there and not get like pushed over or like muscled around. So I think those two things have really helped him stay on the pitch instead of like, ah, he's got to come out, he's looking tired, or oh, he's getting blown past, you know, with dribbles and stuff like that. He's he's not really helping us on defense. I think those two things have really helped him stay on the pitch, not get yellow cards and get in trouble. And then that that in turn gave uh, Mallorca some trust in him to stay on the pitch and make right decisions. Because uh, you know, offensively, he's not—he's going to be great. We're not worried about that. But uh, you know, can he can he be in good defensive positions? Can he not get yellow cards or red cards uh, in untimely manners and stuff like that? I think that has really propelled him as far as being able to play uh, consistently now. And you know, the stats obviously speak for themselves. So I mean, like just sort of like thinking about our midfield, right? Like, let's say you know, in these two friendly matches, like let's say you know, the starting midfield three is. EJ Sung, uh, Hwang Inbum if fit, or Peck Sung if not, and then Jung Woo Young, right? Let's say that, you know, EJ Sung specifically, like, has been struggling with his fitness lately, hasn't really been able to start every match. So 
let's say you bring Kang in on in this like middle of the second half to replace Ida Sung and see what he does. Do you think that's like a really like a successful way to use him in these upcoming friendlies? I actually think Igagi might start one of the friendlies. I agree. Uh, I yeah, agree. It, 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 to your point, uh, Ija Sung and Hwang Inbang are struggling with fitness. So, I mean, what, no better opportunity for Ben to just try out Igagi. And then if Igagi fails, it's kind of, then he's like, I was right to the Korean media. Like, he's not ready to fit into the Korean national team as a starter. And then no one will ask another question about it. You think he That's wants him to point. fail secretly? <laughs> He's like, Come on. <laughs> Probably, yeah, seriously. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. Freaking Bento. <clears throat> oh, last thing we, we should probably add as far as, uh, I don't think we mentioned it, but uh, Yangin's ability to take corners and free kicks, I think, is also oh huge, especially like basically as our only left footer minus maybe what uh, Kim Jin-soo on the, yeah, I think he does it a little bit, right? Um, but I think that in itself, at least, uh, maybe not for the friendly so much, but for the World Cup coming up, maybe it's like the 85th minute, we're down one or we're tied. Maybe we need something. Uh, a corner comes up or a free kick comes up, then you kind of kind of have to put him in. And I think that's uh, definitely a big plus as far as his chances of making the final 26. Okay, thank you so much, PJ, for mentioning that because um, you're absolutely right. Like anything to get Solnumin off of our free kick duties or off of our corner kicks especially uh, is is a really good thing for the Korean national team i think like for me especially like i just think like it's kind of a waste to have Solnumin take your f- corner kicks especially like i just think that's kind of a waste like obviously like, off a dead ball free kick i think that you know Solnumin can definitely do it that's he can score a goal that way, but corner kicks. I just feel like, yeah, it's got to be Pexingo or Igang in if available for me. I think Sonny's pretty good at free kicks, like he scored two in, in four matches for us. So I think free kicks is fine. I actually think that Igangi might be our best penalty kicker, though. Oh, like, that's exactly what I was gonna the, say. I'd rather have him sh- take the penalty than over the sun. He has the he has the guts, and you know, we remember he scored that. And it was the the U twenty FIFA World Cup Finals against Ukraine, and he oh, slotted yeah, that, that penalty kick with so much confidence. And you know, if you look at our our team right now, like, are you? I'm not confident with Sonny taking one. No, he Chen, no, he he scuffed <laughs> no, one with no. Overhampton. Um, you know, so who is who's who do, who are, who in this roster are you confident to give the penalty to? And I honestly think it's Igangin. And you know, uh, yeah, like that could be, like, a, like if it's he's a game changer in that way as well. Is Sonny still say... doing the? Is Sonny still doing the little like Fred Flintstone tippy toe thingy? That drives me absolutely. I, no, no, wall, I don't think he has. He changed that. He stopped that. Okay, thank God. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah, I, I honestly would give it to either Hangzhou or Igangin. Yeah. Okay, I'm just gonna like change the subject entirely. I'm just gonna like throw you guys all off guard here. Um, so I had this question in the doc. Um, each of you guys, I just wanted you guys to tell me one guy. You can replace one guy from the squad, and then you could add one other guy in. How would you do it? Let me go first, since it's gonna, mine's going to be the most mainstream, everyone's expectation uh, as far as the answer goes. And yes, I would take out Nasangwa. I would put Isangwa in. Okay, that's like no questions asked. I. 
his recent form, Isungu, I'm telling you, man, he is the perfect 10 to 15 minute second half sub. He really is. Like, he just, I don't know what it is. I don't think he's like the most skilled guy because I've, I've watched enough of his matches uh, this year. And his play is like very up and down. Like when it's good, it's really good. And then when it's bad, you're just like, oh, like his, his touches can be rough. His passing can be mediocre at times. But then it's like somehow like he just finds a way like in the box area to, I don't know what, maybe it's a bounce here or there. Like, yeah, it just somehow goes his way in there and it comes to him and he's able to finish. It's like, it's kind of crazy how it happens, but I wouldn't say it's like a hundred percent skill, but there's some kind of sense that he has as far as where to be body position wise. And, but he just gets the job done. And I feel like we don't have a lot of those on our team uh, as far as like being able to actually put the ball in the back of the net. Like we were talking earlier, Natsang has two goals this year. I know Kwon chang is has had previous success, but he's been struggling uh, scoring goals this year. Uh, but, you know, Eason was 13 goals, I think, and like four assists. I mean, he's like balling. So it's like, I, I don't know. To me, because we're not going to take Sonny off unless Sonny gets injured. Natsang Wen is coming on. He's not coming on. So instead of that, we should have a guy there just in case. Or it's not even just in case. We're probably going to be down. Let's be honest, right? At some point, we're going to be down in the World Cup and we're going to need a score. We got to bring in guys late in the second half that can do that within a 10 to 15 minute span. And he's one of those guys. All right. Who wants to go next? My bad if I take the answer. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, I, I absolutely agree. Uh, but. This is kind of a half answer because I don't know who would replace this person, but I, I'm i not the biggest fan of Pixingle. Um, I'm not sure exactly where he fits into this national team because in Bento's system, he can't play in front of, just in front of the central defenders. We, we've seen that. He, he failed in the last friendlies because it's not his natural position, I think. I think he plays that position for Chumbo, you know, a little bit. But it's different, different caliber, right? He's not being pressed all the time in the K League, but he's going to get pressed in the World Cup. He's, he, we've seen he can't handle the pressure. Um, so, does, does do we play Pexingo more up top or like as a backup for Hangenbaum or Ijesong? I don't know. He's not the most creative midfielder to play up top and feed those balls to our forwards. So, I'm not sure if there's any, any other K League players. That playing in midfield because I'm, I don't watch the Kaylee um, religiously to be able to speak on that, but I think Pixingo has had his chances and he hasn't really performed or you know proven himself to why he belongs in the national team. I got it, he's got the European background, but there's got to be better players, not better players, there's got to be other players to give him the chance to um, be selected for the national team because if one person has not been able to do that, then why we keep picking him? So. Does he play? Does he play central midfielder though? He does. He's he's like pretty much plays Pixumo's position. I think maybe a little bit more advanced. He's left-footed, so there's a little bit of a um, kind of a variation from our midfielders. And he's playing really well for Hent. Like Belgium league is obviously a step up from K league. Hent is not a bad team at all, and he's playing like Europe, Europa, like Conference League games as well. And, um, yeah, like, I agree with um, everything you said, Gordon. And, you know, that's that could be a, a replacement. I think 
I was actually surprised why he didn't get called up to the U23s because I think he's eligible, right, Mike? Um, all right, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tell you he's uh, so Huang Sunhong has finally settled on a really good strategy. He picked all players that are eligible for Paris. So Paris, in two so he's years, not eligible so they had to be Paris. yeah, they had oh, to be man. 21. Oh, okay, that's why. so everybody that he picked is was born after 2001, which would be you're eligible for Paris. Hong Yun-suk is a 2000 guy. Uh, so he's... He could still be a wild card, though, right? Yeah, he could still be a wild card, but he just, like... I think, you know, Hwang Sun-ho was like, I I only want to look at guys that are going to be in my squad for the full two years, eligible for it. But yeah, no, uh, you're absolutely right. That would be, like, a good, you know, Peck Sun-ho replacement kind of guy, for sure. Yeah, you know, the crazy thing about what Gordon just said, and I have to eat a lot of humble pie on this one, but when Pexingo came from Europe and then went to K-League, I was, like, fully on that hype train. I was like, oh, my God, this guy's going to tear it up. He's so good. And then to Gordon's point, it's like, he wasn't. It's like, it did, I, I don't know if it, it was the whole, like, Barcelona thing. You expect him to be quality and, like, you know, make all these great passes and be flashy, but he's really not. He's very... Uh, like fundamental, I guess, as far as his play style, uh, he's safe with it, uh, and it's it's kind of unspe- unspectacular in a way. And I, I, again, maybe I expected too much out of him coming from Europe, but then when I saw him play at Chumbuk, I was pretty let down. I mean, I think he's still, and, and Mike brought this up. I think his uh, his uh, free kicks and, and 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 corner kicks are still pretty elite, but other than that, I don't know what he really offers us. Yeah, as Jason, as Jason was said, he he's solid, but maybe just below average. <laughs> <laughs> I guess to to just make one final point on pick before before I propose my substitution, I think he was also unlucky almost with the manager that Chumbuk had, like Kim Sang Shik to me, and you know I I think a lot of Chumbuk fans would agree, he's just nothing special he's like he's just a guy that was kind of prepared for the 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 eventual manager role like he was the assistant coach i think for for a lot of years and he was expected to be eventually the internal replacement but like i think now like he, he's having a subpar season like chumbuk this should be a squad that should be winning uh, the k league and you know they're still even with ulsan's recent um, falterings uh, at this moment in time, like September fourteenth, they're only f- like they're five points back of a very I think mediocre Ulsan squad as well. So I think it's it's unlucky that he was he's um, he had Kim Sang Shik, who who didn't really f- uh, seem to figure out where to play him. Like he played him at the base of the midfield, then he played him as a number ten. I think he played him, you know, in between those as well. So you know, he, Beck was a little unlucky that way. Um, but I also think, you know, he he's just an average player um, that had a, a spectacular um, academy um, experience on his CV. Um, and then who I would replace, one of the right backs, whether it's Kim Munan, Kim Taewon, or Yoon Jung-gyu, I would replace them with Sol Young-woo, who plays oh, for Ulsan. Okay. And yeah. he was the young player of the year for the K-League. And I think... There's two reasons why I think he's technically really, really good. And also he can play left back. 
so he's covered for left back as well. He's kind of like a Kieran Trippier, uh, Joan Cancelo type, where that you can cover both the right back and the left back positions. And this guy, I think, I don't know why Bentu keeps overlooking him because he seems uh, really talented. He's always played well for Ulsan. And uh, I'm just hoping that, you know, if it's not this World Cup cycle, I hope he gets a look for the 2026 World Cup cycle because he's still young enough. Like he was in the um, Kimak Bums uh, Tokyo Olympic squad. And, you know, it's I kind of expected him to make the leap up to the A team. But I guess that um, bad two rates guys like um, Yoon Jung Gyu higher, which is a bit unfortunate. All right. I'm going to go last on the replacement. And I'm going to say that I would like to see Kwon Chang-hoon replaced by Kim Dae-won. I think that, you know, the two Kangwon guys, Kim Dae-won and Yang, Jung- Yang Hyun-jun, like, if you're going to pick Yang Hyun-jun, like, you also probably should be recognizing Kim Dae-won has made a lot of his success happen. You know, a lot of Yang Hyun-jun's goals have come from a pass from Kim Dae-won, so pick both of them, man. Why not? Yeah, Kim Dae-won is 10-10, right? He's got 10 goals and 10 assists, so it's he's not to be taken lightly. Like I, I've seen him enough too in in, in the highlights for Kangwon, and I'm like, okay, I can see it, I can definitely see it. But uh, like you know, he's, Bento's got to stick with his guys. So I think I would replace Na Sang-won with Kim Dae-won, not Kwon Chang-won. Mm, yeah. I think Kwon Chang-won is levels above Na Sang-won, so Na Sang-won is the first one to get replaced out of those wingers. But I think Kim Do-won is also an excellent suggestion, Mike. I think he was kind of the next up. I think he might be even higher than Izumi in the pecking order, you know, because yeah. he was called up during the January friendlies. And, you know, he's he's actually a Bentu-type winger. You know, he he works really, really hard. Like, if you see him during the Kangwon games, like, this guy is sprinting in the 95th minute. Like, it, it's crazy. And technically, he's very good. Like Paul said, like... He's good enough to score 10 goals in the K-League, and he's creative enough to get another 10 assists as well. So, yeah, for sure a good shout. I just would replace Nazo and not Kwon Chowon. Doesn't so the he also play that I did it was left like, wing? Yeah, he plays left wing, so like he would be he would probably be Sonungman's backup. But the reason I did it was because I thought in my mind, like, Nasango is too untouchable to Bento, but maybe Kwon isn't. That, that was that's so sad. That's so sad because it's true. Just, I'm just telling it like it is, right? <laughs> no, it, it, it's sad and it's unfortunate because I think that's true for sure. I think Nasang was not untouchable, but he's not in the list of Bento's drop list, I guess, the best word for it. He's not thinking about dropping now. I, I think one okay. guy we failed to mention, actually, before we move on to anything else, is uh Song Mingyu's status is do you feel like he's part of the 26 in the end or is he like on the way out he's he's injured and i also think yeah 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 he's his he's so out of form like he's been out of form mm, since true. pretty much his move to Chumbuk. like he was electric for Poang. and then you know again it's maybe like um a victim of going from Kim Gidong who's one of the best K League managers and who knew how to use Song Mingyu to Kim Sang-shik, who I don't rate at all. Mm. And um, kind of an unfortunate move, but he, I understand why he made it, going to a better team, perhaps more exposure before making that move to Europe. Um, but in the end, it didn't turn out, and I don't think 
he will gain his form fast enough to be really in the mix for Qatar. At least I'd be very, very surprised. Yeah, I mean, overall, right? Like, you know, he also has the disadvantage, right? Like, he has to get his form back, and then he also has the disadvantage of, like, his roster spot is being contested by guys like Kim Dong, uh, Lee Dong-jun and Lee Dong-gung that play in the Bundesliga. So that's also, like, the advantage, like, working against him. Like, that's a disadvantage for him. Like, he doesn't look necessarily as stellar because of the people he's playing against in that position, right? But I would be pretty surprised if he if he makes the roster at this point. I just, I feel like, yeah, Jason's right. Like, the form hasn't been there. Uh, you know, working under that manager hasn't really worked for him. So I feel like, yeah, he had his sort of moment, like, two years ago. That was sort of the moment, and it's kind of passed, and we'll sort of probably... We'll reintegrate him probably for 2026, but for now, 2022 seems like way too close for him to get back in the picture. So in your guys' opinion, let me ask all three uh, three of you here. We take out, once Oman Zhang is healthy, you take out Yang Yeonjun, put Oman Zhang in. Is this the 26 that go? Are we missing or is, anyone? Or is anything changing? I still think Yeong might be able to sneak in. Um, especially if like Kim Taewon or Yoon Jung Yu or even Kim Woon struggle, just because he mm-hmm. is a known commodity, and I still mm-hmm. think he's probably even though he's slower, he's obviously getting older, veteran experience. I think he might be the most defensively solid, so Eong might sneak in. But this is this is very very close. Yeah, I think um, Pixel might get replaced eventually. Um, Yang Yeonjun, I think, is unfortunately the guy that will make way for Om Um And depending on how he plays, I'm sorry to say, PJ, but maybe Lee Gang-in could be a guy that um, <laughs> makes way. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's 90%, 85 90% close to what we'll see in Qatar, I think. And, uh, to for um, in Igangin's case, it helps that it's 26 guys going to Qatar rather than 23. I think if it was 23, I think I would put his chances of going to Qatar less than 50%. But now I think with the, the 26 guys going, I think it, it's definitely more than 50-50. I think Igangin could solidify his spot on the 26-man roster, this friendly, these two friendlies. Um, just one person that... One thing I want to point out on the defense is... We, I feel like we should take another center, uh, center back. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think we should. Idea. I don't know. I think we should drop someone because I know Cho Yumin. I, I, I don't know anything about him I, other than when you guys talk about him. But he plays for the the second league, second tier league of K League, and I don't know. Maybe why did we? I don't know why Bento just dropped Park Jizu. Um, so maybe that could be an addition. I think we should at least take I mean, five center backs. I think like probably Joe Yumin is getting. I feel like Joe Yumin is like maybe comparable in like the locker room sense to like Jang Yunsu's value in the locker room. Like he might be one of those locker room guys that like the coach likes. Because um, this guy's like a veteran. Like, you know, he's 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 moved around, always plays a lot, whatever team signs him. So there's that element of it. But definitely, you know, Jason's right that like Young is still in the picture. Could definitely come back if one of those three right backs struggles. Um, definitely, yeah. Peck Sungo's position is not 100% certain for the plane. Um, 
Yeah, Egon Gate as well, for sure. Uh, I, I, I really, I still like, I look at those top two midfielders, I'm like, why? But then they're probably still there. Um, yeah, I feel like this is like probably, yeah, I, I, I rate it like 80%. This is what we see, you know, swapping out Yang Han Jun for um, a Monsang, but I feel like 80%, like this, this is pretty close. Kind of like a final point on Chuimin. I think, um, I don't know if Pentu thought this deeply about it, but he was the um, partner for Kim Min Jae when Korea won gold during the Asian Games. Like, he he's always had the talent to be a part of the KNT setup. And just because he's, yeah, he's against a very, very weak competition, I guess, in the K-League 2. Um, but yeah, I think it's tough because I think Park Chizu is also a pretty good defender. Like he's at least probably one of the top K-League defenders other than um, like Hong jong But we all know that Bentu won't, won't pick Hong jong Um So yeah, I, if it's not Park Chizu, I think Choi Yumin deserves to be there. And he's probably impressed enough at, you know, most recently even at the East Asian Games where Bentu had a chance to see him a lot for a long time. So, um, yeah, he could be replaced by Pak Chizu. Maybe that's like a, um, a rivalry to watch. Um, but I do agree um, with the point that, yeah, we should take an extra central defender. Because I think even Albert mentioned it in the group chat. Like, teams usually take five central defenders. And right now we only have four for some reason. So maybe the fullbacks lose out, one of the midfielders. Um, it's something to keep an eye on for sure. So you're saying that we could get another center back and then subtract Nasango or subtract Kwon Chang-ho? You're, that, that's what you're telling me? I would like that. Subtract someone. Subtract someone, you know? Okay. I can get behind it. All right, guys, I think there's one last question when we talk about the squad, and then I want to sort of like give our, give our listeners like a little bit of a look into what we think about Costa Rica and Argent, uh, and Cameroon. Obviously, I said Argentina because that was a possibility. But anyway, my last question about the squad is, do we think that like Huang Yijo's current struggles or lack of form is going to be a problem for this, this side? I don't think so. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say I'm gonna be the first one to say it. I think yeah, he's not performing to his potential right now. Um, but he he basically had no preseason, so I think it's gonna take maybe another month um, or maybe two months right before the World Cup uh, to get back to form. Um, but he's gonna be our number one striker, uh, probably the most dangerous guy we can put up on top. Um, yeah, he's not in form right now, but I think he'll get there. This is this is his last World Cup, most likely, as a for sure starter. So he's, I think he's going to prepare well for it. Yeah, and I think I would totally agree with uh, with what Gordon said. And uh, you know, even when he was struggling for form um, during uh, the last international friendlies, you know, we know he was having all those transfer issues with Bordeaux. And, you know, even playing for Bordeaux, it didn't end this season really well. But, you know, he scored that crazy goal against Brazil, right, where he had his back turned against Thiago Silva. And, um, you know, I think 
Um, I think he's going to be fine. And I think, you know, now I think Olympiacos are in a much better state as well because the recent transfers, like they got, I didn't know that they had the capability, but they got uh, Marcelo from Real Madrid. They got James Rodriguez, who's going to be supplying uh, like a lot of delicious balls to Huang Ijo. And then of course, Huang Yimbom as well, right? Like it's, it's, it's a very different Olympiacos team uh, from what he joined. And, you know, he's going to get those minutes in the Europa League against good competition. And he's going to also, you know, play against, um, you know, some of the good Greek teams as well. So, yeah, I, I'm not too worried about Huang Ijo. I think even if he's struggling for form, he's kind of one of those players that can turn it on for Korea, um, you know, yeah, dis- despite his form. Okay. Well, I guess I'll play devil's advocate here since you guys are both pro Huang Ijo. Because uh, I know our, our group chat is like kind of split here as far as who they prefer. And to me, uh, I, I don't want to upset Steve because I'm sure he's probably, hopefully he doesn't listen to this. But um, just on eyeball test alone, I prefer Togizong. I just really do. I just physically, I prefer him. Just visually, I prefer him. I'm not not, not like a like good looks kind of thing, <laughs> but just like he's got... The height, he's got the broad shoulders, and you look at Huang Yijo, he looks a little sloppy sometimes. I, it, to me, just visually speaking, and um, I'm more of a Cho Gyu-sung guy, but I do understand why we're going to go Huang Yijo, and I know that's going to happen. He's proven. He's proven it against better competition. Cho Gyu-sung has yet to do that. Uh, he's only really played in K-League. He hasn't really done too much on an international level. Uh, so we definitely have to go with Huang Yijou, but as far as why we're split 50-50, I'm pretty sure it's because of that. Because visually speaking, uh, you know, he just looks like a classic nine as far as Chogi Song is going. Uh, and it just seems like a preference, at least in the group chat, that uh, that's what we want. But I totally understand why Huang Yijou is going to be uh, the choice. Okay, I'm going to go real quick before we get to Gordon. Um, the one thing that I just noticed about Huang Yijou is this will this may actually be his one and only world cup appearance because he did not make 2018 he only played the 2018 asian games so that's one thing but yeah you guys are probably right like i think he's you're probably right he's gonna be fine he's gonna be fine you know he's gonna get his form back he's not perfect you know he's not the absolute best number nine that we could possibly have no but i think he could get the job done uh but i'm gonna kick it over to gordon now they're both super good looking. Who do you think is better looking, Paul? <laughs> I would say I they're, answer this question. They're they're close. Dude, it's not close. You don't think, it's, on, you don't think it's close? You see no. Huayzhou's hair? Do you see his hair? Oh, oh my so, god. So, so what we're saying is Gordon is the hair, hair guy. Makes like, the man? Like, I don't know about that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Chogizong is pretty good looking. Chogizong got the military haircut. I know, but that's because he. But if he had Huang Yijou's hair, it wouldn't even be a question, right? You switch haircuts, and it's—I don't think it's good. Cho uh, Song is probably like a solid eight. I think Huang Yijou is like a six <laughs> or five a and a six? half, maybe. Oh my goodness! Huang Yijou has a nice uh, Huang has a nice smile. He seems like a nice guy, but uh, you know, so is Namu. Yeah, he got high standards. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm gonna uh, PJ. I'm gonna yeah. PJ. I just had to. I just had to. He I, is. I, I Wait a minute, Jason. Yeah. Come on, Jason. As the fellow good-looking guy, he should be able to comment on this. <laughs> yeah, break the tie. Break the tie. Um, I, I 
I would put a vote to Chogi Song. I think. Oh, damn. All right. Okay, okay, okay. But I, I think Kwang Yiju is a lot more than what you said. Five and a half, six. Really? I think he's, yeah, I that's guess, a chunk. Home chart is a five and a five point five. Home chart doesn't even reach the scale. He's freaking Moonsung Min is five. Oh no. Oh dude. Come on. That's not good. We could just like we could go fashion, you know, we can go celebrations, right? Moonsung Min is like He's his like a celebration is a ten. His celebration no, is a ten. What? No, he's a zero across yeah, the board. True. That guy. I can't. I can't. <laughs> so, <laughs> like the celebration. Like, I'll, I'll no, be honest. No. Like the celebration is fine. Like I get it. It's his thing, right? But like, it's so uh, annoying at this point. Like it makes him a hard pass. I think. I, hey, if he pisses <laughs> off the Japanese fans, then that's, I love him. That's love the him. only that's time true. I liked the guy. I was like, oh, they're mad at him. That's yeah, great. He's a, yeah, he's a ten <laughs> at that point. He's a ten. Yeah. I feel like he's he's used it a couple years too long. That's my only thing. Like, I think it was cool for like the one to two years he was using it. I feel like at this point, like he's got to get something new. Like, you know, go back into the lab, take some dance classes with somebody. Like, come up with something new. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, I, I think Chogusan um, could start in one of the World Cup games. Um, yeah, I agree. if I had if I had to choose. Uh, where who he should start against? I would I would have him start against Portugal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. where I think I think we can outplay Ghana with our original style. Uh, I think Uruguay is going to come if we come even close to being Uruguay. It's going to be one or two chances that we have to capitalize on. I'd rather have Hongi Joe up front uh, against Portugal. I think it's our last game. And we play just all out, whatever we can, and we just put Chogusong up there um, and try to create for Sunny or Hangi-chan or whoever else is around him. Is there any situation that both of them play? <laughs> no. Or no? Zero. No way in hell. No? Okay. Hangi Joe and Chogusong? No. I, I don't no think way. they'll fit. Yeah. That's, he did you pretty to... well against <laughs> Lebanon. Yeah, they did. Lebanon. <laughs> Lebanon. <laughs> that's fair. That's yeah. fair. But like, like, just to that's say. Like, that's like Ben Davies and. Davidson Sanchez. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the thing is, like, I think that, like, those two guys are two <clears throat> totally different kinds of forwards. So I feel like they wouldn't really work very well together, right? Like, I, it just doesn't feel like it would fit. Like, I feel like, you know, Chogusung would, like, maybe, like, drop, like, a little bit deeper trying to, like, bring himself into the play and then like Wang Yiju would like kind of get isolated up top. Like I just I don't I'm not sure it would work. I feel like they're they're more like interchangeable parts for me. What a good problem to have though, eh? Like not having to look towards Kim Shinook to start for us. Yi Jung Yup or Sunny playing up top and then you know trying to figure out who's playing around him. Like these are two forwards that either one of them start I'm happy. Like, since when do we have that feeling going into a World Cup? So yeah, I'm, I'm, consider... glad, I'm glad it's not a dilemma, like you said. Like, it's not yeah. like we have, like, certain question marks or maybe this guy or maybe... It's like we have two guys, and that's it. There's, like, no one else there. Yeah. All right, guys. Let's talk about, you know, these matches, the opponents we're going to play. Um, first of all, I think, like, the one thing that kind of, like, lit up our group chat when we heard about the possibility... Um, there was a possibility that we might have arranged a match with Lionel Messi and Argentina in New York 
in the U.S., and then obviously we would, we would get another opponent to play, you know, in the U.S. Should we have done that, or is this sort of farewell matches against Cameroon and Costa Rica in Korea? Is that a good idea? What do you guys think? I think we should have 100% capitalized on that opportunity. Like, are you kidding me? Playing against, I mean, I know you said Lionel Messi, but even the likes of, like, playing against, like, our fours playing against Christian Romero. Or, you know, mm-hmm. their midfield super strong. Like, it's just Argentina are one of the, like, dark horses or maybe even favorites. I would uh, say favorites. Know, they're a super, super strong team. And being it, like, I think they wanted to play us as well, which was the crazy thing. I think a lot of it boiled down to um, the KFA. I don't know if it was they needed the money or they wanted the money. But friendlies in Korea do is is a big revenue source for them, and we know it's going to be a packed house. Um, it, it usually is, especially the two sending off games before the World Cup. Like, yes, fans are going to come to that, and the KFA is going to generate a lot of revenue for that. So that's why they chose um, Costa Rica. Well, I don't want to say chose; they settled for Costa Rica and Cameroon. Cameroon, like. I guess I understand it's maybe prep for Ghana. Um, are they a good opponent for us at this point in time? Probably not. And especially, like, I think I saw that Kimin just teammate, um, Anguisa, top, top midfielder, is that not even coming? It's kind of like Salah not coming for... It's like the impact is like Salah not coming for Egypt, right? Like, they're missing a lot of their key players. So that game's not going to be too, too competitive, I don't think. And then Costa Rica, kind of just another like meh team, like a meh CONCACAF team. So it's like we're against, we're preparing for the World Cup, but the opponents we have are teams we should be easily beating. Um, and Uruguay, Ghana, and Portugal aren't those, like aren't that level. So it's it's disappointing, especially like you said, Mike, when we could have played Argentina and probably another good team um, in America. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, you know, before every World Cup, Korea has been, um, they've always been playing hard or better teams in preparation for the World Cup. Um, and that, that thing has helped us. It started since, I uh, guess, hitting. And this time around, I think Costa Rica, uh, that was a kind of a no, like, we had no options. Costa Rica and Korea were the only World Cup teams without for uh, solidified A matches during international friendly. So it was, I think it was kind of, hey, you want to play each other because we had no one else to play, which is which is terrible. You know, it's a terrible position for Korean uh, the KFA to be in. And then Cameroon, like Jason said, they're missing Chupamoting, they're missing Nguisa. So that's like us going and without Kiminje and Sonamin. So. Mm-hmm. It, it would have been a good run-in uh, in preparation for Ghana if those two players had came. But, I mean, now I, I think it's kind of a waste. I mean, what what are we playing here for, you know, to experiment? Because these would be good teams to experiment with. But, man, like, the World Cup is two months away. We should we should definitely have strong opponents. Yeah, like, and Gordon, like Gordon is saying, the, the word preparation – we're talking about preparation for the World Cup. Like, how much preparation really is this? Like, we're not going to face the same kind of pressure 
like i those like kind of those, those matches like against brazil like those i think help us more than any kind of like oh two zero victories or three zero victories that we'll easily get like that what does that really do for us i mean i, I guess it like gives you confidence going in but i would rather like back in 2002 where we played england we played france it's like playing teams like that like you know going in to your group matches against portugal and uruguay you're playing at that type of level of competition so it can prepare you but i don't think we're going to face the same kind of pressure up back from these teams during these friendlies so like people like chong Young senior like are they going to get tested i need to see that because because for me he really is a very important piece as far as like starting the offense and he's really good against not so good teams and then really bad against good teams that's how i view chong Young. and as much as I am the vice president of his fan club as far as what he <laughs> offers from like, you know, being a tough guy and making the right fouls and stopping momentum and stuff like that. I get really, really nervous when the ball is at his beat against good teams. I get super nervous and I don't think he's going to be challenged against a Cameroon or, uh, or Costa Rica, to be honest with you. And he's going to look good. And we're going to be like, wow, Chong is going to be great. And then we're going to go against Portugal and he's going to get smoked. And it's, we're going to be like, oh no. Yeah, those are all really good points. I think overall, like, June, you know, the friendlies we got against, you know, those three South American opponents, that was really good. Egypt, kind of meh. Um, even, like, getting Paraguay, kind of meh also. Um, but obviously, like, testing ourselves against Brazil, Chile, that was really good for us. Um, but this this is kind of just really, like, disappointing. Um, yeah, it's just, like, two teams right like i i kind of like watched highlights of both of these teams and i wrote down some notes um costa rica uh their defense like just they looked like kind of wide open like you can get behind these guys easy um obviously their goalkeeper is Kaylor navas that's great um that's that's good practice but there's going to be chances to score against them for sure um cameroon like they can't defend a corner kick at all <laughs> <laughs> I saw like multiple times. Well, we can't just, score like, off letting... of them anyway, so yeah. But, but no, no, no. We got Kimmich like, now. Kimmich is scoring in the, in the Serie so. There were free headers to be had against Cameroon. Um, you know that, that, that excites think, like, me. I want Kimmich to score in the World Cup. Yeah. Well, everyone's been saying it. Like Igang in corner, Kimmich header. Like that's yeah, like the right. everyone's been like it's gonna happen. But I mean, like the one thing though, just to throw the kfa just a tiny bone just a tiny one um the scheduling and the preparation for this world cup like it sucks you get like you get two match windows um after the season and then right after the season has just begun in the year 2022 right after your world cup qualifying has finished in march right and then you've got october which is just full of club matches and then you have the club break that finishes like right before you're supposed to be in Qatar getting ready to play your game. So it's kind of not the same, right? Like I think in a regular year, in a regular World Cup where it's a summer schedule, right? Let's say Argentina had invited us to play them in the U.S. for like the March international break, right? We go to the U.S. to play them then and then in june like in the couple weeks before the world cup starts then we do something at home like a send-off thing we can't do that this time because there's no time for it right so i feel like 
it's I'm just throwing them a tiny little bone and saying like they're trying to schedule the send-off matches for the Korean team to like send them to the World Cup and this is all they could do like it sucks but like I can still understand like just with the timing of it like how, how like the place they're put in that's all I'm saying they shouldn't have been stubborn on the send-off match though like they should yeah, have just thrown true. that off the like out the window like if they yeah. were truly serious about creating the best conditions for the players to succeed in Qatar they would have said you know what <laughs> we might be losing out on a bit of revenue but we want our guys to play against the top teams whether that's in Europe whether that's in America wherever whoever wants to invite us we'll we'll go there but it's just unfortunate that they chose revenue over performance but am I surprised? Unfortunately, I am not. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally agree with you, though. I agree. I, I think it was a deliberate decision. Yeah, to, for sure. To place revenue over the betterment of our team, for sure. Yeah. Which All right, anyway, um, we're going to sort of wrap up really quickly, or not really quickly, we're going to wrap up now. Um, <laughs> overall, like, let's just sort of like do like a really quick thing. Like, What are your score predictions for these two matches? <clears throat> Who wants to go, lead us uh, off here? I'll go first. Uh, I think we were kind of playing down um, teams like Costa Rica and Cameroon, um, thinking you know they're not good enough for us or whatever. But I, I, I think it's going to be a competitive game. Uh, they're all they're both World Cup caliber teams. Um, yeah, do they have weaknesses? But so do we. So I don't think we're going to blow any of these teams out. I think. I think if we win, it'll be uh, a one-goal margin, or if we don't win at all, it might be a draw or maybe even a loss. I can see us coming real close to losing against a team like uh, Costa Rica. You know, we don't prepare correctly for them. We ex- we try to experiment, and then we might end up losing. Never know. So I'll, I'll, let, you go, I'll let you go last, Jason, but. Uh... I'm yeah, fully I'm, on the Kiminje. Oh, go ahead. Go, go ahead, Gordon. Yes, yeah, so if I would give it a score, I would say first game Costa Rica, um, I say 1-1. And then I think we pull it out against Cameroon 2-1. Okay, I like that. Paul, do you want to go next? Yeah, I'm fully on the <laughs> Kiminje hype train here. I don't think we get scored on. I don't see it happening. <laughs> I just don't see it happening. I, I, I think it's going to be... I, I really... I, I'm... I'm not saying Costa Rica and Cameroon are bad, but I'm saying Kimija is that big of a difference maker, I think, for us defensively. I think he just, his presence, I think, just gives us a different type of confidence. I think Kim Young-won is like 10 times the player he is when he's playing with Kimija than when he's not playing with Kimija. I think that just affects everybody. It's going to help Chong Leung too. Uh, I'm talking about older Chong Leung as far as not having yeah. to get all the burden of, of bringing the ball out because Kimija is very good at that himself. And I think just that in itself is going to lead us to, I think, a 1-0 win and then a 2-0 win. That's my prediction. Okay. I like I guess it. I'm last up here. Um, I think we smash Costa Rica. Let's go. I honestly think at least two goal difference, 2 nothing, 3-1, 3-0. I think oh, it'll, be, it'll be good enough that maybe even Igangin either starts or comes off the bench. Or, like, I want to be optimistic. <laughs> And his creativity is the difference that kind of widens the the, the goal margin. 
And I think we surprisingly struggle against Cameroon. Like, when's the last time we played well against an African team? Or when we even played an African team? Like, I don't even remember. Like, there Nigeria? 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 When Park Jung scored the, the free kick? I think we played yeah. Algeria after that, though, in 2014. Yeah. Um, where they smashed yeah. us 4 oh, yeah. 2. The yeah, thing is, though. Us. Yeah. The thing is, with like playing against African teams, like, <clears throat> sure, they might not be like technically up to the standards of like the South American teams or as well organized as like a European team. But the raw, like, strength and physicality is something we haven't experienced before where it's just like hey like we're just losing 1v1s like the the 50 50 balls like we're just not winning those because they're simply stronger than us and you know if they play direct like sure we have Kim Min Jae but other than Kim Min Jae like are you confident that any of our other defenders or midfielders are going to out muscle or out jump those Cameroon players like I'm not um, like Kimunan against uh, like a Cameroon striker, like big yikes for me. So I think we surprisingly struggle <laughs> against Cameroon, and I think uh, I'll be we'll be lucky to win maybe uh, uh, one nothing two one win, but I could see us actually like drawing against uh, a team like Cameroon. Okay, I mean. I think honestly, probably just for morale heading into the World Cup, uh, we probably have to win both of these matches. I think we have to. Um, I think overall, like just even like fan sort of like feeling about the team heading into the World Cup, right? This is the last time the fans are going to see them. Like, I think they're going to want them to win both games. Um, I, just, I just think we have to do it however we do it like maybe like both games are like 2-1 and they're really close or some like like we squeak out one no wins whatever like we have to win both of them that's like especially after the KFA has done this like where they have specifically chosen to play lesser opposition than what they could have gotten like at this point now it's it's winner winner nothing you have to uh, I don't know because what if we squeak out a win but we play like shit that can happen you know what I mean? It's just like I kind of rather have them look so good, but they just get unlucky and they just don't score rather than like we are playing like garbage and we just somehow get like a garbage goal. That would I think that would suck more. I think Bento would get more criticized if the gameplay is bad than us actually mm-hmm. losing. Yeah. That's, that's, so a good, just, that's a good point. I just hope they just play well. Um, more than winning make it yeah. enjoyable you know like yeah yeah good football because that's what yeah. bentu was supposed to bring like when he initially got hired you know it's like progress like it was like the nice portuguese football like progressive nice passing creativity like total football right and you know we've seen it at times um but not nearly consistently enough and even recently, like it's it hasn't been great. So I just hope that with Kiminja being back, with Igangin adding the added creativity and the spark, that you know everything kind of clicks and we look great. Hopefully, I have a question to your point there, Jason, because uh, this has been brought up I think by a lot of people. Is 
bento style of how he wants to play and then you know when we go to the world cup does does that whole philosophy just go out the window because we can't do it i think that's a very valid question to ask like this play style oh yeah you know qualifying for the you know asian games well, uh, playing against lesser asian teams oh it looks great but does it go out the window when we play portugal does it go out the window when we play uruguay do we have to play the typical punctual where you just defenders just kick it up and we just you know hope for a deflection and something to happen like that's my biggest concern is us applying this type of style at the world cup and if it's even feasible I would see it's it's like based on it's like almost how you think and like your philosophy. It's like I would rather attempt to play nice football at the World Cup and get smashed than play play punctual, play super direct to Kim Shinook, um, or you know just hit those long passes to Sonny and Huang Yichan and hopefully they get at the end of them like having to watch that for 90 minutes like maybe it gives us a better chance at winning sure like that game against Germany but I would just rather see us like try and build out from the back like we have when are we ever gonna have Kim Min-jae, Huang Yin-bom, Lee Gang-in, Son Heung-min all on the same team like this is the perfect time to try it I mean if we get smashed 3-0 against Portugal trying to play our brand of football then I'm actually okay with that. Like, I'd rather, like, a 3 nothing loss, an entertaining 3 nothing loss, than, you know, us playing Bongchuku or anything like that and losing one nothing against Portugal. Like, if we're going to lose anyways, just do, like, do our thing. Yeah, I agree with Jason. I agree. I want to see us play good football. Just give it a go. You know, really go after this game plan, this sort of game strategy that Bento has been trying to build and teach these guys for the past four years. Like that's his whole thing. Like he has a game strategy that he teaches them for these matches. Right. Yeah. Don't throw it out the window just to, you know, sort of chase, you know, these grind out wins. I think, yeah, stick to your guns and see if it works. And if it doesn't, you know, we know that it didn't work. And then we, you know, we reiterate, we try to change things and we make changes, but yeah, we can't really like waste or sort of like, step away from all the four years of bento's work in training on this game strategy i think like bento, right i think bento had a different um vision in his mind of how we would be at this moment he mm -hmm. probably thought it would have been a lot better the players would have been a lot better it would have, the system would have worked better uh but it isn't working as so well. That's why people are talking about you know different tactics. But it's and the bottom line is too late to try to implement anything else. Um, so like Jason said, go out there and play your play your little hearts out. You know. I just I'm worried about the Korean players having that mentality of just falling back on what they're used to though. That's even though Bento is like yeah yeah go for it. You can turn it over. You can just. But then I think there's a long history of, of the players playing a particular way and wanting to play conservatively or protect you know protect the lead or protect the zero zero draw. <laughs> I hope that doesn't like take over their minds, even though Bento is telling them to play a certain way. I think the one guy that's gonna kind of like be crucial in having people not fall back on like the things that they know is Son Lungmin as captain. He's gotta be able to lead and just tell tell them like hey, 
you know, we're going out there with this specific game plan. We're going to play this way and we're going to see what happens. We're not going to fall back into, you know, how we used to play, you know, five, 10 years ago that, that wasn't all that great either. We're going to stick to it and we're going to, you know, try to play our hearts out exactly like Gordon said. And then kind of one final thing, maybe it's uh, diving in too deep, but it's, it's a systemic problem, you know, like co even like going down to the coaching level, right? Like, if you make a mistake, like the Korean coaches, like, like, I don't know if they still do it, but like they yelled at you and like players got timid. They're like, I don't want to try to take this guy on. Cause if I do and I fail, then the coach is going to yell at me. And then even like public perception, right? Like if our, like it, the Korean fans, and sometimes I'm, I'm part of this problem is like, we have to understand that building a football culture, building a football philosophy, like building your K and T identity, that's not a two-year thing. That's not probably not even a four-year thing. Like it takes multiple cycles for you to implement that kind of like football philosophy. And like if the team, and that's not going to be a linear process. Like there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs. And the problem, it's like, it's like with Korean um, people or public or whatever you want to call it, it's just, they're impatient. They want to see results. They only want to see um, the the good side of things without realizing that it takes failures and learning from those failures. And I think, you know, we just have to continue to, like, encourage Bento or whoever's going to take over after him to continue to implement this philosophy of playing, like, good football, like building out from the back. Because that's what the, where the future of football is going, right? Like, you can't you can't like play the 442 and you know play direct anymore like teams are building up you could be like even a team like brighton they're not spending a lot of money they don't have the best players but graham potter believed in a certain philosophy he had the time and the patience of the fans to implement it and now they're seeing the fruits of it and he's ma managing at chelsea now and you know we kind of have to take the same mindset of hey right now we're not going to look at the results we're going to look at the process and if the process is working for us, then then we're okay with that. You know, there's obviously a balance, right? World Cup, you do want the results as well. But during those four years in between, you really, really want to focus on the process with paying less attention to the results. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's just like a perfect place to end. I think that like that sort of like sums up everything that we need to be working on as a national team. Like, making sure to, you know, keep trusting in the process and making sure to just continue to try to improve whatever happens in Qatar, you know, let's still continue to focus on improving because it has to be said, like in the last four years, this team has improved its play. That's for sure. It has improved its play. So let's, let's keep that going. Um, any last words before I wrap up guys? Give us a primer on what's to come, Mike. Give us a, a sneak peek into October. Okay, so for next month, obviously, like, there's going to be a bunch of club football happening. You know, UEFA is trying to fit in its entire group stage of Champions League, Europa League, Conference League before we break for the World Cup. So we're going to have a lot of club football to talk about. I I'm feeling like it's time to bring John back just to check in on him. Like, we just got to make sure he's doing okay. You know, we were, we were a little hard on him you know, the last episode. So we just got to make sure like he's feeling a little bit better about his Man United. So I'm, I'm going to talk to him and see if he's going to come back on. 
And then also, I think one other thing that I just wanted to sort of like put on your radar is that um, in October, we could be um, celebrating, you know, being a host for a big tournament again. Uh, the AFC will announce who's going to host the Asian Cup next year, and we're still in the running for it. So hopefully, you know, we have something to celebrate then. Uh, but for now, I feel like this was a really good chat about what's coming up right now in September. And for now, I feel like, you know, we're just ready for these matches to happen. We're ready to win. And then we'll we'll just see what happens next, okay? Oh, okay, yeah. Pijing is just sort of like holding up that jersey and just reminding you guys, yeah, we're going to get to see Yigang in play. Let's enjoy it, guys. We'll see you guys next month. Peace.